another piece of me? Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of red pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Happy Wednesday, guys. Not Man, Monday. I know, right? It is throwing me off, just like it this is. movie. So, welcome to a new episode of the Cinema Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach, and I'm with the man, the myth, the legend, and the only metahuman I know in this earth, Ed. How are you doing, man? What's up, folks? Y'all doing all right today? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's just been a... I'll just say this. You know, I was just thinking about this last night. It's just like, you realize we're halfway through the month of June and technically halfway through the year of 2023? We are more than halfway through the year, buddy. June 2nd. June <laughs> 2nd is the halfway point, my guy. Man, I just... <laughs> I don't know. I, it is true what they say. The older you get, the faster it goes. I mean, truly. No, seriously. And I like... After and 30, like, bullet. I know. It's just like, the more... I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but it's just like the more the more we live, the more day by day goes. It's just it's one of those things. It's like, you know, am I doing everything right? Do I need to have a freak accident, have superpowers? I don't know. I don't know about you, man, but I just need to like get chemicals and, you know, some some magic earth <laughs> happening, you know, like a guy telling me to say Shazam and I'm like. Yeah. Six foot four, built as like an ox, and or just fly. get, or you know, like you said, get a whole bunch of random chemicals, get like a bat kite, and just wait for the next storm. You should be good to go. Or just be born from a different planet. Usually works too. <laughs> yeah, but you would have to be all invisible. Us... I know. Yeah. But in all seriousness, folks, we are here to talk about the Flash, um, a movie that. You know, we talked a lot about on the show in the, over the last couple of years, uh, more specifically, whether it even come out. Um, we'll get into it. Uh, but overall, man. Um, stroke time. Hold on one second. All right. Um, overall, we're not going to do recent watches. We're not going to do movie news. We are going to do a top five. Um, but overall, let's. You know what? Let's just save it. Let's save it for the discussion. Before we actually talk about the movie, uh, we got a top five. So let's do that real quick. All right, guys, it's our favorite topic. It's everyone's favorite topic. We just need to like everyone. Ever, America knows the top five of our show is like up there with politics and religion. You know, just let's just admit it to the world. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to follow that up, Ed, but I'm just I'm kind of curious. Well, mainly we just don't do the first two because, you know, it, it's, a, it's a it's a crazy world out there. It is. It is. Uh, but. Too much biased, but in this we get to be biased. Absolutely, about five different things, and whether it's hateful, whether it's lovingly biased, whether it's neutral biased, doesn't matter because it is your opinion. 
and we can either exactly. love it, hate it, or just live with it. And that's our show. We can do what we want. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. And it, anyway, um, if you want to participate, today's top five is going to be, because of all the drama that's been going on with Ezra Miller behind the scenes and whether or not he was going to be recast as Flash, we're going to do our top five recast choices. So how this is going to work is, say, um, for example, if a, some, an actor was cast in a certain role, in one film and then in the second in a sequel or somewhere down the line they were recast due to personal no. drama or whatever on top of that we are not including something that has like been a torch passed down or a reboot yes like 007 yeah 007 okay. doesn't count so like you had pierce brosnan he did five films then daniel craig did five films and then whoever comes next that's just a it, it it's a passing is... of the torch the same character just and they're in a different even, iteration. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So how, like, for example, well, let's go ahead and start this off. Let's kick it off. Do you, do you, or do you want me? Yeah, I'll kick it off. Do you have any honorable All mentions? Right. I do not know. Okay. No. Neither do I. Cause this was, <laughs> there's really only a couple right that like really that. kicked out. Oh, before we get going, Ed, if the good listener or someone of the fan of the show wanted to send in their top five, how would they might do that? Honestly, the easiest way to send in your top five or any kind of suggestion, any uh, anything like that, any kind of note that you want to leave to any of the cast members for that matter is at that email at cinnamon921 at gmail.com. That is C-I-N-E-M-E-N 921 at gmail.com. As well as you can always reach us on the facebook.com forward slash the cinnamon movie podcast. That is like I said again, T-H-E-C-I-N-E-M-E-N-M-O-V-I-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. The Instagram right there, one word, is the Cinnamon Movie Podcast, as well as the Twitter is the Cinnamon Movie 405. That is just Cinnamon 405. Uh, any of those links usually will send you and or connect you to one of us. Uh, mainly Juan will be a big, big person on any of those four, of course. Uh, he kind of runs that a lot more than any of uh, the others do. Yeah. So, yeah. But nonetheless, we've changed uh, episodes because of suggestions. We have changed top fives because of suggestions. We've done top fives because of suggestions, folks. Literally, we have got mailbags every now and then. Uh, we used to do them all the time. Now it's every. It's kind of sparingly a lot of yeah. busy time in our lot personal and business lives. So yeah. there is that. Uh, please just uh, sit sit idly by with us, and we will get to it. But those are the best ways to get to us. So awesome. We might need to do a mailbag episode, just like a thirty minute thing, just to get through oh, some of those. Forget that. A whole hour, man. Easy. Yeah, I'm Easy. sure. I'm sure Juan has like. 500 emails we got to get through so not even that but you've got some that just spark up a conversation and you know either you or i or Juan or craig and we just get going on it man it's fun absolutely so let's get down let's get down to it guys and so i'm gonna go first uh number five for me um there's like i said there was only a handful of people that i could really pick from um number five i'm gonna do war machine or uh roadie from the mcu yes Originally played by Terrence Howard. Uh, I think he had some legal issues, though, so they he dropped out. And we got Don Cheadle from Iron Man 2 all the way Go up on. to the current pr current present. Um, I can't really say I can't really say Terrence Howard 
was bad in the role because I enjoyed him in the first Iron Man. I kind of wish that we had seen a little bit more of what maybe his Brody was going to be like. Yeah. Um, but Don Cheadle's great. Uh, he just fits that role perfectly. And I don't know. He's just like, he's like a perfect wingman to uh, Iron Man. So he, he's came in very seamlessly and it doesn't yeah. really, uh, you obviously notice the difference of person in the role for that matter. But yeah. at the same time, you know, it, it still was great chemistry between him and R RDJ, uh, either either guy for that matter, yeah. uh, as well as, you know, the they fit the character just right, in my opinion. Uh, Craig would kind of be, I think, the more uh, knowledgeable person on this, uh, just because yeah. he, he's it's kind of he, he's guy. all thing. He's all things MCU. <laughs> he really is. Essentially, I mean, we're all we're all kind of fans and in it, but he's he's really one of the he likes to dissect ones. and uh, oh, yeah. fantasy book about different things. So that's my number yeah. five uh, war machine from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. What's your number five? Then? My number five might surprise people because I don't really I'm not a huge fan of this series of movies, but I've got to say it was an obvious, uh, however, clever recasting because she didn't look too much different uh going from rachel lefevre i think i'm saying that right i could be pronouncing that wrong to bryce dallas howard victoria from twilight series um it was a very smooth transition at first because other than the hair being much brighter and more red and fierce uh compared to kind of a usual uh red hair like tone like kind of a lower tone almost strawberry blonde in a way kind of deal yeah. uh skin tone isn't too much different they wanted really pale to go ahead and you know kick although i do feel like bryce howard bryce dallas howard does have a lot more uh color to her uh for mm -hmm. that matter or at least a bit bigger of color in her skin uh but yeah not not a huge difference but definitely a difference in actress uh you did notice the or at least most people would notice the uh Rachel Lefevre was a heck of a lot more intimidating and uh yeah. naturally just aggressive compared to Bryce Dallas Howard who was more of a stay behind the scenes and manipulate and use kind of <laughs> She was able to pull off the emotion a lot more than the other actress. Yes, yes, so. agreed. But yeah, that is my number five. Nice. Uh, number four for me is going to be uh, a trilogy that we all know and love. I think all of us consider it arguably one of the top three trilogies ever made. Uh, but there was a cast change from one to two. Uh, Rachel Dawes, originally played by Katie Holmes in Batman Begins, and changed yep. it over to Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight. Um, I I can't fault Katie Holmes. I feel like out of everyone in that first movie, Katie Holmes is I I don't want she's just not as a I don't want to say like the weak link in the in the care in the actors, but she's definitely the one that was just like oh really? So you cast Katie Holmes in a Batman movie? Um but like I said, she she's she's good in that first movie, but I think Maggie Gyllenhaal really she's a much more um tense actor she's much more driven she's much more has much more range i believe um and she really sold uh rachel in that dark in the dark night especially especially her uh 
final scene. Just really the emotion and just the the power in her voice really really sold it. I, I don't. I really don't think Katie Holmes could have pulled that off. Um, just given what I know about Katie Holmes and just where she comes from, especially. Oh, that's the girl from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> okay, you're gonna cast her in a Batman movie. Okay, but like I said, um, it's a seamless transition. You really don't. I think you know Christopher Nolan did a really good job of just kind of hiding the small details. And I know obviously they look different, but I'm glad, given the stakes that the Dark Knight has, given the situation that ultimately happened, um, she was a better fit for that movie. So, what about you, in number four? Number four for me, I'm gonna go with the character Evie from the Mummy series. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was like something that she was doing at the time to where she couldn't reprise the role in the fourth film because what it was like three to four years later or something like that after the third film. I yeah. I, the last, uh, well, I think the Mummy Returns came out in 2001 and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor came out in 2008. So eight, that's like a seven year difference. Seven. Okay, I thought it was a little bit less, but yeah, seven years. So um, basically, Rachel Weiss was the original uh, Evie, and you know, very sweet, very caring, you know, endearing to the son and all that. You mm -hmm. could obviously get the nerdy side of her, but at the same time, the passion that she exuded with the character, and then on top of that, the kind of badass nature of her too. I mean, honestly, she fit all of it really well. And in Maria Bello, uh, nothing, nothing wrong with her. Um, but you, you did definitely see a change, especially just right beside, you know, Brandon, uh, it, it, it was a heck of a change, man. It, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but it was just like, what happened here? Is that yeah. No. Okay, yeah, I guess. I liked yeah, Rachel better. better. I liked Rachel better in the role. She was just much more of a badass than Maria Bello. She just fit the character better. I mean, yeah. that's really it. And it's nothing against Maria Bello at all. She she did fantastic, but it just seemed too different that it just wasn't It was it noticeable. Didn't... Yes. It was it was very noticeable. Like when she came on screen, I was like, "Wait, what? That that's all right. What do we do? <laughs> what are we doing?" So like that's the same character. He exactly. I okay. I I originally thought that maybe he got a divorce or something. And this was just a different woman. Yep. Because I was just so. like, you know, she was a bit uh, her her passion for the Egyptian or the ancient Egyptians, for that matter, was one of the driving forces of uh of of the movie. And I thought it yeah. was a very cool thing to have that passion. So without Rachel Wise, uh feeling of that it was just kind of like this is a little strange yeah absolutely your number three uh, yeah number three um yeah i think i think three was definitely the one that was definitely the most noticeable just because of the different just actor wise uh i'm gonna go with hulk mcu's hulk from edward norton to it. mark Ru mark ruffalo that both terrific actors i think both of us can agree they're very at the very top of their game but they're very their hulks are so different. I think Edward Norton is just much more like reserved, but kind of passionate. And he's not, a he's just not afraid of the Hulk while Mark Ruffalo is very much, he's dealt with it for so long that he's just, he's just used to it. And, you know, he knows how to semi control it in, in certain ways. Yeah. And ultimately, um, 
I think more, well, I don't want to say Edward Norton. I think Mark Ruffalo is just a little bit more nerdier. I think he just kind of has that nerd vibe for Bruce Banner, and it, it just works for him really well. Yeah. Edward Norton did the same, but you like, I don't know, just like he's like, I don't know, that's a guy that went to the gym, <laughs> gym like every so often. But um, I really I like both of their Hulks, but definitely the one I think we, I think Marvel had a good idea to just do Mark Ruffalo. Because I, tr tr to be honest with you, man, I don't think Edward Norton would have done. I don't think he would have stayed all the way to Endgame because he just doesn't seem that type of actor. I mean, honestly, I I do think it was kind of funny to include the uh, rom com guy. You know? Yes. Like, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? But you know, it it worked. I mean, it it worked. You know, it, he he did a believable Bruce Banner oh. and the voice the as guy. well as. You got the guy from American History X? Oh, okay, that's kind of weird. Oh, All right. Hold on. As well as even the CGI, you know, uh, uh, yes. motion capture, if I'm not mistaken, you know, that was good, too. Uh, he did he did wonderful on that. So, can't complain CG on that. Man. Even the CGI is vastly different from Incredible Hulk to the Avengers. I mean, you could definitely tell there's a difference in that. Oh, yeah. So, that's my number three, Hulk from MCU. What about you? My number three uh, is going to be uh, no, don't get me wrong. Dumbledore. Oh uh, yeah, I'd, I'm surprised that you're number one, but okay, go ahead. You know, Richard Harris was wonderful as Dumbledore, yeah. uh, and the big reason of why he did not last past film two, uh, Chamber of Secrets, he passed. He passed away. They yeah. chose an actor that was quite old you know and understandably because Dumbledore was quite old himself but uh longevity wasn't there and all that and I don't it, it would have been cool to see him last all seven or well all eight films but it wasn't there so with Michael Gambon stepping in in Prisoner of Azkaban um overall he he done very very well uh, but some of the more mild-natured uh, things were exaggerated. Uh, a lot of people would note on the, Harry, did you put your dame in the goblet of fire? And, no. To, Harry, did you? You know, it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was much exaggerated, but at the same time, you know, I, I can't complain, man. They made eight magical films. Whether Richard Harris, whether Michael Gambon, to me, you know, doesn't matter. Both did great as the character. Uh, and yeah, Richard Harris done wonderful as the children's. And Michael Gambon did wonderful as the uh, coming of age, I guess, if you will. Yeah, he was he was 72 when he died. Wow. Yeah. So which I mean, he would have he had to been... Around 81, 80, yeah. in his 80s at least, if he had survived, if he had lived all the way to the um, final movie. Deathly Hallows Part 2, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, my number two, don't get mad, don't get mad, all right? So, the original actor that they played to play this, did, did, I, he really was that character. But I think yeah. in the third film, who they brought in, 
he had a lot more gruff and like um just determination and just like fearfulness. I'm talking about Grindelwald from Johnny Depp to Mads Mikkelsen and the Fantastic Beasts trilogy or okay. however many films they're going to do. I really like Johnny. I think Johnny Depp really fit that role in those first two films. Well, technically the second one, because you don't even get to, you don't even know that's him until the end of part one. Um, he's very much the, he kind of, he kind of makes it like a Tim Burton character, I guess just with the white face paint and everything. It just, I mean, it really works. He has like the, that you could just tell he could just kill any muggle that comes across his way. But with Mads Mikkelsen, I could just, he sells the hurt that he has against Dumbledore. And he also, he also has the look of, you know, I could kill you at any moment. I mean, talk about, he's the bad guy in Dr. Strange. He's going to be the bad guy in uh, the dial of destiny, Indiana Jones here in a couple next week. Um, he's very good at playing the villain. And so I think, he, I think he, if he, if anyone was going to do Grindelwald after Johnny Depp, I think that was the perfect choice. So that's my number two. I will argue. I don't think it's the perfect choice. I think he was kind of doomed from the beginning, and it's not even because really of him. Yeah. Um, it is because more of the studio. Um, of course, uh, it, it was a lot of things on that. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so my number two, I am going to go ahead and go with crab. Oh, crab. Um, one second, let me pull up the other one. Uh, Jamie Wylett. Uh, Jamie Wylett played crab for most of the actual movies. Um, it still is funny that. The reason he got replaced uh, was because he pretty much couldn't get out. Like, he went and got arrested under a DUI. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, all I know is they replaced him with Blaze Zabini. And Blaze, unfortunately, did really nothing with and or for the character uh nothing really against the character either uh you know you you've got jamie wylett playing this childlike uh idiot basically who was entranced by cupcakes and treats and all that galore yeah. uh you know from any of the first original films uh and then you've got blaze zabini who is a much darker complected man as well as a much thinner man uh heck of a different facial structure i mean this was not in any sh way shape or form like i don't really understand what they were doing with the recast or if they were just like yeah you'll work you know kind of thing. i don't know what happened with that right it, it's it is what it is you know the movie lives on but with Goyle and Malfoy standing there as the usuals, it's kind of a huge difference uh, right there. It, it, and yeah, it's just like, okay. At first, a lot of people were probably confused on, like, who the hell is this guy? Who is he supposed mm -hmm. to be? And it's like, Crab and Goyle. And it's like, 
I remember I remember when the second movie came out and um Ron had a deeper voice and I thought did they recast Rupert Grint's not Ron anymore, <laughs> but he just went through puberty in between one and two, and it just threw me off so bad. Because funny enough, I think he was the oldest, and Daniel was the youngest out of all. I think I think that's how it is. I know Daniel is the youngest out of the three, but yeah, man, yeah, uh, crazy. <sighs> so uh, number one is Dumbledore. You talked about him. Uh, did a really good analysis of it. Uh, Richard Harris unfortunately passed away between uh, two and three. Uh, they had to bring in, obviously they had to bring in someone for that character. And I think Michael Gamden, he has the force of Dumbledore, like you were saying, like his voice. And I think he still plays the grandfatherly love for Harry um, during that, in these from three to eight. Um, and it works. I, I truly buy him. And he's also kind of like a, I don't know. I don't know what the right, I guess, updated version of Dumbledore. Like he just went through like a trance between two and three. And this is what we got. And it works. It really does work. It does. Cause it almost helps bring in, uh, from the child's aspect to the growing up, you know, teenager aspect. And the adult um, nature of what, what was to come from three, th from three on. Cause three, three changed quite a bit, uh, with, uh, I still think it's still a kid films. I also think three is also still a kid film because four is really when it gets to the PG 13 dark nature of the books, but three, it borders the line between. Well, I still want to be in the kids realm, but we need to take this into a new direction. Well, it's more of a Halloween tone. It's more of a, yes. a darker, you know, kind of spooky, not, scary but spooky kind of film because right you know werewolf lupin for that matter transformed lupin whatever you want to call him was honestly a very good render uh i i think even now you know i i think it's a very good rendering of you know their their thought of a werewolf um yeah you know so there there's that part of it but at the same time you know you you've got a lot darker of you know spells and a feeling and you know harry's you know faced baltimore and tom riddle but those are the two he mainly that that's the one he mainly faces now it's serious black and you're not sure who this serious black is if you haven't read the books you're not sure why he wants to kill him other than what the characters are telling you and kind of go from there yeah yeah that's true uh what's your number one ed my number one will probably be a bit disappointing, but it's one of those that was really just like sleight of hand stuck into there. Okay. Um, so pretty much uh, 2002, and yeah, we are still talking about Harry Potter. Uh, 2002's Chamber of the Secrets basically had a girl named Kathleen Colley play Lavender Brown. Uh, Lavender Brown really wasn't known beforehand uh, right. until more along the lines of the sixth movie, uh, Half-Blood Prince. However, yeah. by the time Prisoner of Azkaban 2004 came out, Jennifer Smith was in that role. Uh, she was really in the background a lot until uh, probably Prisoner of Azkaban, or not Prisoner, uh, Order of the Phoenix, uh, Half-Blood Prince era just because the character was really in the background it you know not many people know who angelina johnson is or katie bell or 
you know, Winky. Nobody really knows who Winky is because she wasn't in the movies. But uh, in the that, books, there's. And it's funny when you when you Google. I'm, I'm sorry, Ed. When you, when you Google Lavender Brown, the new version of it pops up. That's hysterical. It's not even. They don't even recognize. They do recognize if you go into like the history of it, but it's just like the one that's in. Um, what do you say? Chamber, uh, not Chamber of Secrets. The prisoner. the prisoner of Azkaban. That's the one that's like no. That that's the one that we uh, acknowledge as Lavender Brown. Well, and it goes from an after African American girl to a white girl. I yeah. mean, honestly, you know, and it, it is what it is again. But at the same time, it's just like, what the heck happened here? You know, like what was the big difference of the recast? And you know, okay, whatever. But yeah, I just, I just remember her. Um... Her death scene in part two. I just, I just remember like the werewolf just kind of like, like eating, eating uh, like second her blood or whatever, and then like it just her gray back on her on her neck. Yeah, yeah, man. She she uh, was unfortunately killed in the uh, second world war, and man, it was kind of a crazy scenario because you know you, you she. If I'm not mistaken, she is kind of forgotten after six, uh, after after her breakup and all that with yeah. uh, one one, uh, <laughs> and one one. Yeah, I, and I don't think we see her see her again until the battle, and then she just dies. she just cuts and she dies. Pretty much, so. pretty much, and I mean, you know, that's that is kind of what happened with the character uh, here and there, but. Yeah, no, it, it's a like I said, a very sleight of hand type of uh, changeover. So, yeah. Well, all right, man. That was our top five. Um, I don't think we'll have one for Wally. If we do, we'll let you guys know. But as of right now, we may not have one. Uh, we might have another one with. Um, hell, I don't know. But anyway, um, we'll let you guys know when we'll have another top five. Oh. Um, but now, Ed, it is time to get into it. We are talking about the Flash. Had a release date of of I'm about to say December. That's funny. Uh, June the 16th of 2023. Ooh, it's still in theaters. Yeah, currently <laughs> has it stars Ezra Miller, Sasha Cali, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Maribel Verdu, Kirstie Clemens, Anche Anche Trout, Ben Affleck, and was one Mr. Michael Keaton. Uh, currently, the film has. Let me get to. Let me get to my notes real quick. Don't want to. Okay. Uh, currently, film the Flash has a seven point three on IMDb, sixty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and eighty six percent has liked this movie. Directed by Andrew Andy Machete. Andy Machete. And this is before we actually get into the movie. I just want to have a let's just have a conversation about this. Um. Okay. Currently, this bo the, the box office is one hundred thirty nine point six million dollars. It only grossed yeah. fifty five million over the weekend here in the United States. It had some competition. Uh, Elemental, the new Pixar movie, came out the same time. Spider Verse is still out. Transformers is out. Um, Guardians is still out. Fast X, and it really doesn't have any. On, on, truthfully, it doesn't have any competition. I mean, No Hard Feelings is coming out. The Jennifer Lawrence like. Uh, coming of age comedy, but it won't have honestly, it won't have any competition until Mission Impossible, and that's like mid July. 
Right. So I have a couple of I just have a couple of notes. I, I just think there's two I think there's two there's two things, I believe. Okay. Number one, Ezra Miller. Everyone's heard all the drama, all the trials and tribulations, all the stuff that he's done between now since then and since the release of the movie. Yep. And the other thing is do people care? Does, do people care about this anymore? Because it technically... You're this nerfing is, the DCU. I mean, this is technically the end of the of the Zack Snyder DCEU. I guess we still have Blue Beetle, which I guess is in this universe, and Aquaman 2 later this year. But yeah. at the end of the day, man, I don't think anyone cares. Because let me tell you something. I went to the... I went, I went and saw this in the IMAX at uh, our local Warren... Warren Theater, and it was like a two o'clock showing, and I'd say there was sixty, maybe eighty people in there, maybe not even that. How how was your viewing experience? So I went to the other Warren that's local, and basically, like, it wasn't like very late either, but mm -hmm. it was maybe fifteen people tops. Um, yeah, that's it, really. Uh, what time? It, what time did you go? About five. Yeah. Yeah. Like so when people start go see. Yeah. People. And when people are going to see movies at like evening time, I just. Like I said, I. You know, we talked about Ezra Miller. We talked about his issues, what's going on with him. You know, I I truly believe that this movie was not going to come out. I mean, maybe they were going to throw it on HBO Max. I know that was a rumor for a long time, but um, this was this is a big superhero movie that's not Marvel. That's truly one of the yeah. core members of the justice league and this movie makes 140 million dollars it's opening week worldwide and, that that's bonkers and it's and pretty much he's the last remaining yeah because everyone be well fair. other than I mean, cyborg everyone's had their had their movie you know and, yeah and i mean well it's not even that they've had their movie but has any is anybody else coming back jason yeah. Gal Gadot, anybody? Uh, and that's the thing, man. Watching this movie, you I'm know. just like, they really play with the idea of different things, but at the end of the day, I don't like think... They're, they're holding on to the preconception that they had before the DCEU really started melting, before the drama with Henry Cavill, before the drama with Ben Affleck, before the drama with Ezra Miller, you know, yeah. and what sucks is that those are kind of the big three right there. You know, Jason yeah. Momoa is a big star in his own right. And, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, if you go, you have the, the only other option that you could probably replace uh, the Flash with would be Wonder Woman. You know, so Wonder Woman, uh, Superman and Batman. And I mean, those are, those are basically three. the big three. Yeah. And, but, and so... And I don't think this. I don't think it helps that this movie is two and a half hours long. I mean, obviously, you can't do a lot of showings during that time frame. Personally, I didn't mind the length of the movie. I really didn't. It didn't seem like it dragged much. It, yeah, there were moments for me. There were moments that it just kind of dragged just a tiny bit. But I mean, it didn't hinder it or hinder it or help it or anything. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to talk about. That's what I wanted to bring that up. Is just. You know, for this to be a big summer blockbuster, it, it it just really shocked me that this movie only made fifty five million dollars in the United States this weekend. 
I mean, Elemental even did worse than that. But I mean, it won the it won the bo- weekend, but it just that's just it kind won of the weekend, but it's at kind of a mid weekend for that matter. It's like a yeah. middle of the pack weekend, and you know, it won that. Yeah. So, and now, to me, good. Go, no, go ahead. I was just yeah. With that, um, I got in this erasing all the all the like crap that happened with Ezra Miller. I was looking past that, you know, because to me, this is the, the film, not him. Uh, is money going into his pocket still for this film? Yeah, more than likely. Understood. But at the same time, he wasn't the only one that worked on this film. He wasn't the only one that was part of it, nor starred in it. And I was excited yeah. that Andy Machete had a hand in the DCU or MCU for that matter. So there's that. Yeah. But, I mean, you got, you got to take into consideration. This guy just did mostly horror movies. He did mama mm-hmm. and he did the it? it, it chapter one and chapter two. And so for him to be, this is his next big film. That's, it's quite impressive. Cool. Yeah. It's a heck of a different transition. And this is going to mark something of his career just because like, okay, you've done horror. You've shown that you can done horror. You can do horror and you've shown that you can do it pretty decently. Can you do anything else, you know, kind of thing? Or are you just a one-trick pony? And yeah. to me, I don't think he's a one-trick pony. I think he can no. do the film. I think he can direct very well. So so let's get into it. Uh, just general thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll let people know when we're getting to spoilers. But just general thoughts. What do you think when you walked out of the movie? Walked out? Oh, there was a lot of emotion for me, personally. Uh, if you if you know what I'm talked about already, yeah, a um, yeah. lot of emotion because done wrong. The 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 events that transpired through this film are so many things I've thought about all the time, and it's like, yeah. man, you bastard! If I could do that, oh, you have no idea. But then again, on the other side of that same coin, the events that transpired are you know something I've worried about. You know, like you change something what else will change and yeah. there's a domino effect because i don't know if you know the old saying about the uh the old japanese saying about a mail or a, a letter that was never delivered because a horseshoe was needed for the horse but basically the thing goes is that since there wasn't a nail, there wasn't a horseshoe. Since the horseshoe couldn't go on the horse, the horse couldn't carry the mail <laughs> carrier. Since the horse couldn't carry the mail carrier, the letter never got to the war. And because of the letter never getting, or the letter couldn't get to the general, because the general didn't get the letter, the war was lost. Hmm. Because he didn't receive like strategic plans or intel or something like that. Well, this has been our moral episode with Ed. Come back next week. <laughs> um, you know, walking out of the movie, I I had fun with this movie. I really did. I thought there was a lot of obviously cool elements we'll talk about uh, as we go through it. Um, I just I felt the same way, and I think part of it is, and this this might be just a cop out, honestly. I think okay. we've 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 just seen so many superhero movies after this point. I think if I had to, you know, if I had to guesstimate. I'd say maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred to 200 films we've seen with superheroes by this point. Um, obviously they're all different. Parodies? No, I'm not counting parodies. <laughs> um, 
I think at this point you really have to do something different and special and just something that's just so out of the box that it really makes me just kind of it, it makes me think about it because like I haven't other than making my notes for the, this today's episode I really haven't thought about this movie yeah I've I've really and like I said th- and to be fair this is not a bad movie I, I tr- truly I was this is way better than I thought it was going to be to be completely honest with you um obviously going in we knew michael keaton was coming back we knew we were going to have some version of superman or supergirl or you know what what have you um you know to start the movie off we have a uh, a bank robbery scene with um them blowing up a, a nursery ward in a hospital and falling babies and service dogs and that i think that really set the tone for this movie Honestly, it's just like, okay, so we're going to be, we're going to be jokey, but we're going to have kind of like a, a sense of heart to it because like at the same time, Barry is uh, low on his calorie intake. And so he doesn't think he's going to have the power to actually save all the babies. (laughs) Um, But it was a really fun scene. It was cool to see Ben Affleck back in the the bat suit again. Um, I think, I think, even I think that were really, one or two scenes. Yeah, I think the thing that really hurts me about this movie is that Ben Affleck really deserved his own Batman movie. I think he truly did. I think he really killed it in this movie, even though he's in it for maybe about 10 minutes. It's more of a cameo role than anything else. Yeah. Um, but that scene where he's talking to Barry and say, listen, you know, the events that happened to you as a kid really shaped you. It shaped me. That's why I am who I am. You are who you are. And you going back to change that, it's going to have disastrous consequences. You could literally destroy everything. And ultimately, by the end of it, it almost does. Pretty much. And I mean, not only that, but there's just a lot going on that he doesn't think about. He doesn't realize. He doesn't understand yet. You know, because... The only thing I don't like about a lot of these time travels is they they have their own set of rules because it's different because it's me because it's not it's not what right. they did no and then the old cliche now uh it happened in another or uh oh wow it happened back to the future so yes um, like back to the future is like the the poster child for all time travel movies yeah yeah and it's just like okay understood that you know it's kind of one of those movies that plays with time travel kind of first in a way i don't think it was the first but it's one of the biggest for that matter and it's a stereotype it's like oh okay so we're gonna reference back to the future basically yep but it's also one of those movies that shows if you play with time, there's a lot of things that can happen, but then you can go and, you know, like fix it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, so, um, yeah. So let's go ahead and get into spoilers. We're 43 minutes into this episode. If you have not seen the flash, go see it. Stop the episode. Stop listening. Stop watching and come back and join us after you've seen the movie. So, Spoilers ahead for The Flash, you have been warned. Warning. <laughs> Come back. Um, I really think, I, I really like the idea of they go, they truly the whole crux of this movie is Barry trying to save 
his mother, which I think, you know, that's in the trailer. That's not a spoiler, but the way it happens is truly, um, I think it's actually, it's different than what's came. It's different than what's going on, like in the multiverse theme that we're in, in movies nowadays. Um, I like how they went back to 2013 to man of steel, which ironically is what set this whole thing off in motion with the DCU. Um, and that was, it, that was sad though. I mean, and they did a very good job, a good, jo good job of explaining it. Like, oh, I'm going to afford the justice. Like, well, Victor Stone is still in college. He hasn't had his accident. Wonder Woman, we don't know where she's at. Ar uh, Arthur Curry was never born. Superman is technically he died. He died technically. Um, Back when we he thought, was an we, yeah, uh, Zod's ship kind of took got hold of the crap that he was in and killed him. Yep. And Batman has not been Affleck. He's Michael Keaton, and he's been and retired for who knows, like twenty years or I something. I was about to like say that. a decade or so. And he does. Michael Keaton does say a line like, "There's no more crime. There's nothing for me to do now." Gotham I thought is that like was the safest or one of the place top on three Earth or whatever. On Earth, or, yeah. And that was enough. I was like, okay, I'm convinced. You know, obviously Michael Keaton. I I couldn't even believe this. He's 71 years old. I was like, what? <laughs> that is. But what? I mean. Yeah, he's he's seventy one. Bull. Yeah, he is. Bull. He doesn't look Dude. like it at all. And so, like the fact you know, you get an actor who's very much. Um, I hate the word. I hate to use the word chiseled, but he I mean, or you know, really just been through the ringer. But he has. I mean, obviously. And I like he put him past like fifty seven. I know. And I like how they didn't do like, oh, oh he was crap. injured and he didn't come back to the jobs. Like, no, I mean, there's no more crime. Like, I can retire as Batman. There's nothing for me left to do. And I was, that was say, just, yeah. I mean, that was enough. And so, yeah. But you know, you've got that, and I mean, you know who it is. But then you're just like, dang, okay. And obviously, he wasn't moving like that because I don't think many. You know, that's a move like that. <laughs> It's like you know that was a stunt double. They just put the hair and the and the, and the beard to make it look like it was yep. you know. The, so, but, but I did like I really really liked his explanation of time. It's just like a a bowl of wet noodles, spaghetti. and it can go in any type of direction because you mess with it. It's it doesn't. I like how they distinguish themselves from Marvel, where it's just if you mess with time, it branches off into another timeline. This it just it really, lack of a better term, it fucks up the entire way time is built and you and keep that, going it's you're going to destroy other worlds that you're always going to have one single cross section yes you know one single uh thing that is just there all the time no matter what yeah and yeah did you guys did you have a good reaction uh because my my audience sucked it had no reaction whatsoever like when michael king got back in the suit nothing nothing no, my mine was pretty stale. Pretty yeah. Um, it was a nice film. I liked the film perfectly fine, but it didn't seem like one of those big Marvel gutbusters. That's you know, it it seemed like your regular. Eh, it's nice film kind of thing, or you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, all right. It's fine. It, it's actually a little bit more than fine to be honest. It just. <sighs> There's so much of the movie that really depends on surprise 
and what are they going to do? Who are they going to bring back? All this and that. And I think that hurts the film a little bit because I think I will say that this film, once you get to the actual battle and the berries are trying to stop the cross event of uh, Batman and Supergirl dying and the big globe worlds come into play. I think they did. I think DC handled the multiverse way better in this than they did than Marvel did in uh, Multiverse of Madness, in my opinion. Yeah, because there's a there, there's a lot that goes on in each film, uh, but this it shows you know kind of a bit more of a negative impact. Now I will say, did you see it coming with both characters for that matter? What do you mean? Like did like you the, see like like, like the, the different iter- Oh oh the, I thought it was Reverse did, Flash, but same. Um, same. I, I didn't, honestly, it got me. Did. I thought like once young Barry, like once we get into the fight and older Barry figures out what's really going on and younger Barry is doing everything in his power to reverse what happens and he starts to get like stabbed and things in his arms and legs and the scar. I thought, okay, so this is who this is. This is a, this once- is a version of Barry who's trying to stop their actions. I was about to say, once I've seen that thing coming out of his arm and then like a few several other things and it kept doing the same thing, I was like, that's another cross-section right there. That's something yeah. that is planted, not just there. You know, exactly. It's not just random. Exactly. Um, I will say the... No. I don't want to call that nitpick. I, I think I, I had a genuine uh-huh. problem with the CGI in this because okay. there were parts of the CGI looked not good to bad, to be honest. Like, obviously, you can't throw babies out of a window to get that scene. But I mean, I could think of like, okay, so like, say you hold, you put a bear, a baby in like a carriage or something, or like even have like the parent hold them and just like bring the baby down in, in front of blue screen. You know, you I, could just like, photo put it like take the picture take the photo fo- take the footage and like plant it into the scene it would look a little bit more realistic at least i think the biggest part you're probably having with that scene in particular the slow-mo saving scene a is the calorie defect that he was having uh b is the point that it wasn't just a film that they used cameras that gone, you know, it was here, <laughs> you know, it was just like, okay, where yeah. the fuck am I? Where? Yeah. Okay. And then it showed, oh, hey, back here, look what we've done. We've lined it up. <laughs> it's lined up. Yeah. Because that's how he's saving. And, yeah. you know, with the dog, the little extra comedic relief with, you know, the, 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 and I'm not saying nurse, which is the most understandable thing in that whole damn scene. Well, and I'm yeah. not saying that the comedic relief is bad. I mean, obviously, the, the character of the Flash is very jokey. He's very much like the, the Peter Parker of the, the DC yeah. universe. Um, Young, kind of idiotic. Naive, but yeah. And I like how <laughs> I like how, I like how his metaphor is, oh, I'm just a janitor of the Justice League, basically. <laughs> Everyone. What? Superman okay. is stopping a volcano. Wonder Woman and Batman are off, like stopping bad guys. I'm just saving citizens from a from a crater. Dude, I will say that I think it was amazing that they gone ahead and put him in the uh, uh, happenings of 
the uh, Man of Steel because yes, yes, like, you know, especially in that kind of trash ass costume, like yeah. It, I mean, it was it, good did, to see that they did a good job of explaining where he was during the events of Man of Steel. He was trying to save a kid who. Well, he, if you really he, think about it, he really could, he couldn't save the father, so he got like smashed in front of the kid. Which you know, if you think about it, it's like okay, that's kind of gruesome, but okay. There was a lot of gruesome stuff in this. It was very gritty and very dirty, and I mean, don't wrong, I enjoyed it, but it was dirty and gritty. Um, yeah, it still had that Snyder, yeah, feel to it in a certain way, which oh, yeah. I think. I think DC's really learned their lesson with from Zack Snyder of hitching somebody's. Well, I can't really say that because they're hitching their new, hitching the new DC to James Gunn. But I think James Gunn has a much more. I think his ideas are much more fleshed out than Zack Snyder's, to be honest. Um, but you know, we have a long way to go. I, I think Superman Legacy doesn't even come out till twenty twenty five or something like that. So we'll, we'll see as a gradual progression. We are getting a new Superman. Yeah, wherever. Yeah, Henry Cavill's done. Like, and it sucks. I, I that it's like yeah. the, like him. I think His he was a perfect Superman. Yes, and he was perfect as Superman. And I thought Ben Affleck was awesome as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And it's just like, see, don't get me wrong, but I could I could get with them even putting, uh, 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 oh my God, Pat Pattinson. You know, oh, Robert Pattinson. Get, yeah, Robert Pattinson's Batman because it's a very dirty gritty young batman and even if you brought him into like being in his late 20s or like eight years in 10 years in i could get with that too you know and then superman yeah. is in there doing what he's doing but batman's like not able to do to like see who he is until he needs batman basically you but I'm glad I'm glad they didn't bring Pattinson into this because I'm glad they're keeping him keeping him his own thing. Oh, and we're own, not yeah. I, I kind of thought maybe in the when they're in, yeah. in the in the in the speed not even on the, the final scene, but the speed force where the, all the worlds are kind of colliding. It, I kind of thought the, maybe especially once they started bringing the old Flash, the old Superman, Superman the old, George Reeves, the, like the Adam Reeves, West, you yeah. know. It was just like, what the hell? And okay, then, this is cool. <laughs> the thing that killed me was the Nicolas Cage joke, was which really, oh. that was, if you don't know, Tim Burton was going to do a yep. Superman movie and Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman. So I'm glad. Yep. And in the, um, the script that Tim Burton had supposedly wrote, he was going to fight like a giant spider. So that was all fan fiction, fan theories. What would this look like? And... Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. I was just like, "Oh, damn!" Like Dracula's in like, this <laughs> for a second, for real. You know, freaking Renfield. Where, where? No. <laughs> but no. But yeah, it, and I like was... how they respected what came before with George Reeves as the original Superman, Christopher Reeves, who a lot of people grew up on his super, Superman, and even the the ten ten hat Flash from the old TV series. Yeah. You know, that was that was cool. You know, you bring back. Stuff that came before and respecting, but also kind of hinting at the idea that those are different worlds way out there in the multiverse. Yeah. And it, it kind of was cool that it just came through in aspects of like, this is, if you go 
far enough, this is what you reach. This is how you get to it. This is what you can yeah. uh, un unfurl for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do we think about uh, Kara? Uh, Sasha Callie as Supergirl. They never really say Supergirl, but that's technically what her character is. Um, I thought she did good. You know, she's she comes from uh, soap operas, so the oh, fact okay. that this is her big this is her big big break. I mean, I thought I thought she killed it. I thought she was cool. I was like, I'd see a movie with her, Miss Supergirl. Um, yeah, because I mean, honestly, even her entrance, for that matter, you know, going from the not decrepit but the very worn down, uh, the drained. Crypto, Kryptonian, uh, crypto, crypt, yeah, uh, Supergirl. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, it looked very spooky. It looked very like, okay, damn, this girl's been through a lot of torture, you know, and they're keeping her in this ball essentially. And well, know, I thought okay. it was a great. I thought it was a really great scene on that base where they. Um, it's pretty much Michael Keaton's like big. Well. He's in the battle with Zod, but like that's his biggest like moment as Batman coming back in the suit and everything, which you know obviously is a combination of CGI and uh, um, stuntmen and everything. Yeah. But um, when they crash, when they crash on the top of the base, and you Kara puts her arm out, and you could see, the sun starts to hit her, and you could see like the transformation of like she's gaining no. her strength. Was, I thought it was a really cool effect the hand pumping up a little bit and getting blood back into it or yeah. well, better circulation of blood back into it, you know, and then what your solar power, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> bro. Yeah. And I will say it, uh, the, the biggest compliment I'll give Ezra Miller was that he did a very good job of playing the dual parts of, mm -hmm. Um, experience old Barry, but also immature. Like, oh, that's what I that's what I'm like all the time around people. Well, uh, I wouldn't even say mature. Well, mature to a to a decent extent. Yeah, because he was he had to be in his like early to mid thirties. You know, uh, this young Barry was pretty much they said was like old. what eighteen nineteen years old. Yeah. So, you know, and he's going through college, probably smoking a ton of weed, pro you know, because that he just gives off a vibe of pothead in that part of it. But, you know, it was just like, all right. Yeah, cool. I mean, he's Ezra Miller's 30 years old and he plays an 18 year old like on the back of his hand. Yeah. So and he, he plays the fish out of water real good. Like when he finally figures out when young Barry gets the power and old Barry loses the power. Um and he kind of figures out he can do all this and like the friction tears off his clothes and he's like butt ass naked in the middle of the streets. The only part I had with that is the, them almost letting him, letting the camera be flashed so many different times. It's that like, was kind of okay. just like, okay, look, man, you don't need to be. It, it's a play on the words. We, like, we Hey, yeah. Like we, we know he's fully naked. We, yeah. We get it. This is going to be a movie that kids are coming to see too. So, like, why do we have to, you know, like the running and him just fully, I get, you know, ripping the clothes off and all that. Okay. But almost seeing, seeing Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, like three or four times, like, come on, man. Ugh, yeah. Friggin'. But, and go, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was about to say, just with, with, 
the the speed force how they used it the difference between suits how they did that too that was cool you know uh i thought it was kind of crazy that they took the old batman suit and basically just like painted it you know (laughs) cut off the ears cut off the ears and different stuff like that which was just like the hell and then when he first got in it with the mask and it was all like jacked up it was just like (laughs) oh but you know bringing gal Gadot in was a good choice uh bringing in ben affleck great choice yeah you know did they need to bring jason momoa did they need to bring you know no no they didn't you know understandably why they didn't well and to me not gonna tease aquaman 2 at the end of this i'm just like what was the point of bringing him in like obviously we know that obviously we know jason momoa is still aquaman in the timeline that he ends up but it's you know if you're not gonna say hey there's something i need your help with aquaman 2 december of 2023 what was the point of that yeah um and I think the biggest compliment I'll give this movie is the fact that this movie's climax is not a beat em up final showdown with Zod. It's truly a war. A son. No. Well, I mean, it's a war, but like the climax of the movie is a son having to say goodbye to his mother. Even he's done everything in his power to try and save her, but, you know, the forces that be in the multiverse says no. Man, I mean, I she like, in your world, she has to die. So you have to go back and fix that. Yep. And I got to tell you, man, I, I, I was, oh, I, I was tearing, man. Like, I really was because I'm just like, damn, dude. But it's the most, it's the most emotional. It's the biggest emotional scene of the movie. Oh, yeah. And it really, and it really works. It does. It does. It's those performances. It's this. It's the. It's it's the whole idea of Barry. This whole movie has really grappled with the idea that he could have saved her to begin with, even though yeah. he was like seven or six or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, with all your might, all your powers, you still can't save her. It's just. It's written. Unfortunately, it's written in the stars. It's written on gravel or whatever you want to say. But it, it, you know, in order for his life to be the way it is, he ha- he has to die or she has to die. And I like how, ironically, there was a there was a changeover with actors in this movie. Billy Crudup played um, his dad in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and this is Ron Livingston from office space playing his dad in this movie. So, you know, that's another recast. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was a really beautiful scene that in the middle of all the chaos and him trying, trying to stop young Barry from becoming the monster time zombie that he would be, he would have become. Um, it was just a really nice scene. And I thought that it really summed up the movie really well. So, yeah. But then the last surprise of the movie, which I do like, <laughs> I really thought that was it. Um, my uh, coworker of mine got to see this. She got to see like an early screening of this. Oh yeah. And the version she saw the ending, her ending was, um, we don't, she doesn't get to see Bruce Wayne. She's okay. 
Barry sees someone coming out of the car and he says, who the F is that? And it ends. You never get to see, she never got to see who that oh. Bruce Wayne was. So, so it cut that part out and just, yeah, it was a test. Oh. Screen. And so for this to be George Clooney, who has clearly gone on record and say he, he is the worst Batman and it, he filmed. And the most surprising thing, he filmed this like six months ago and no one knew about it. That's yeah. how like closed left this was. Yeah, I thought it was an awesome ending. I was just like, "All right, you know, bring it back, you know, the clue, bring it back the Clooney for this." I thought that was awesome. I th I really thought it was going to be one of two people. I really, I, I knew they weren't going to do anything with Pattinson's Batman, which is fine. I knew Val Kilmer yeah. was too. They were going to bring Val Kilmer to this because he was sick. So I yeah. really thought it was going to be Clooney or Christian Bell. Christian right. Bell would have been Christian Bell would have been cool too. So, yeah. But what what do you think when George Clooney appeared on screen? I I didn't know who it'd be, but it was just like okay. That's well, and for a, and for a second there, I was like, "Why is George?" Oh, <laughs> it's kind of like a realization that, in yep. that moment. Yep. So, but overall, it, man. It good. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Like I said, I think uh, Blue Beetles, the next movie, I think that comes out in August. And Aquaman 2 comes out in December. And really, we don't have any more DC movies till 2025. July 2025 is when Superman Legacy comes out. I think yep. they might be doing some animated stuff, but like the true next live action film after Aquaman is Superman, which is going to set the whole reset the whole thing. And I think WB is either WB or James Gunn have, have gone on and said, listen. Andy Muschietti has been clearly um, upfront and said, we, "I'm not going to recast Ezra Miller," which is cool. You know, he's standing, sticking by his actor. Yeah. Um, at this moment in time, from what I understand, the only way we'd probably get a sequel to Flash is from what—not my words, but WB's words—if this movie makes as much money as uh, Robert Pattinson's Superman, which was 800 million dollars. And unfortunately, I don't—I don't he's see that happening. Him. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening to be honest. No, not at all. Not at so all. I think that I think this is I think this is it for Ezra Miller's Flash. I think we're done with the Flash until they remake do a different version of him in James Gunn's universe. Yep. I could be wrong. You know, they might they could they might bring Ezra Miller back. I don't know. But at this point, if the goal is to the, for this movie to make eight hundred million dollars for it to have a sequel, it's not gonna happen. Given the given the disappointing box office results that we got this weekend, yep. So, um, favorite scene? You got a favorite scene that kind of stuck out to you, or a Probably sequence, or anything like that? The ending scene with his mom—that yeah. definitely would be it for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. The ending scene—I'll say the the final. Um, Supermarket scene. <laughs> Super, yeah, it's a supermarket, yeah. Um, the final um, discussion with him and his mom was very sweet, very powerful, emotionally well-driven. Yeah. And uh, the George Clooney scene, it cracked me up. I was just, it really, I was shocked to hell <laughs> that he actually came back and did that. Um, yeah. You know, I really, I was really, I'm really disappointed that I'm not my favorite scene. It's nothing with Michael Keaton. I mean, he's cool that he's in the movie. I was about to I, say, I'll yeah, say, it's awesome that he is. 
but it's not it, an overpowering or over emotional like the no. spaghetti scene was cool it yeah. explained a great deal but it wasn't emotionally charged it wasn't extreme dialogue that was just great it was it it was good if i had but, to pick a yeah. scene with michael Keaton, it, it it was it's not even him as batman it's just him as bruce wayne talking to barry like where they're in the Batcave and says, why do you want to save yep. this world? What, what you, you could go anywhere. Why this one? Yep. And, you know, it's because his mom is still alive. And I like, I truly respect um, the way uh, Bruce responds to that is like, yeah, you know how many times I've tried to, you know, if I could go back and save my parents, I would. So it's not, I don't, I, I like how there's the two opposite effects of, uh, ben Affleck's and Michael Keaton's is Ben Affleck's is like, yeah, that's great. You can you have this ability to do that, but it'll destroy everything. But on the flip yeah. side, Michael Keaton is like, no, I mean, I get you. I would I would have done the same thing if I had that power. So yeah. So um, yeah. Let's let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, star rating. Uh, you want to go ahead and go first? Yeah. Um. It just, I just didn't have a, I didn't walk out of this being like, oh, that was awesome. And I really want it to be, so that's a little bit on me. It's on me. It's, I don't, I'm not going to say it's the movie's fault. There are, you know, there are things about it that I didn't, I was like, okay, that's, you know, not the best choice. Um, I'm going to give it a seven as of right now. You know, I really grappled between seven and eight, but I'll go with seven. So what about you, Ed? I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine. I thought it was very well done. Uh, I thought it was very well charged emotionally and all that good stuff. I, I felt it. It hit a lot of good boxes for me. Like, simple as that. Awesome. Well, that's it, guys. We have finally talked about The Flash after so many years of speculation and wonder and really preparing for eight. <laughs> really preparing my... Uh, loading up my hbo max i'm gonna watch it that yep. way yep. um next week guys we're heading back to pixar land and we're talking about wally celebrating its 15th anniversary which i yeah that's hard to believe to be honest that this movie is almost 20 years old um it's always good to talk yes. about pixar it's always good to talk about um um just animation in general, just like where it's come. You know, this movie came out in 2008, which that was a stacked year. This came out, I remember distinctly, this came out the same day as Wanted. And like it was between oh, the wow. W movies. This is this is the same year as The Dark Knight, uh, Iron Man, Indiana Jones, Crystal, The Kingdom Skull, ironically. Um, so yeah, it'll be a fun conversation. Um, check it out. Obviously, it's on Disney Plus, so definitely go check it out there. Um, Ed, do you have anything to say about the Flash or uh, anticipation for Wally before we get out of here? No, uh, Flash was a very emotional thing, so go from there. Uh, but yeah, no, we'll talk Wally whenever we get to it. All right, yeah, that's gonna be it for us, guys. Like I said, you know, if you're curious about how the DC is gonna, obviously the DC universe is gonna change. So if you kind of want to have like the last hurrah, I guess if you want to say. You know, definitely go check out The Flash. Um, obviously, we'll talk DC a little bit later down the year. We might do Blue Beetle. We might do Aquaman. Obviously, everything's up up in the air right now. Uh, I'm excited about Wally. I I haven't 
rewatches. It's going to be a rewatch since we did our uh, top five plus five Pixar films. So that's been like that feels like fifteen years ago <laughs> that we did that. Um, yeah. So next week, Wally, check it out on Disney Plus. Until then, guys, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Take care of each other. And we will be back next week on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Bye, guys.